this episode is difficult. Well, in one sense, it's easy. My mum knows more or less exactly what happened. There are no archives, no translations. I can just let her tell it in her own words, which is basically what I am going to do. It's difficult, delicate, because, well, if you've been rooting for Adolf Lempert up to this point, prepare yourself to maybe not root for Adolf Lempert. My name is Andrew Evans, and this is Unboarded. During the war, Adolf Lempert met Olive, my nan. It was when he was stationed in England mm-hmm. that he met my mum. Yep. Dancing in London. Yeah. Mm. In the West End. Yep. Up west. Okay. And, and it all went from there. In 1949, Adolf Lempert, of uncertain nationality, became a British citizen. He and my nan went on to have two children, my auntie Pauline and my mother, Linda. I won't say your age. On the recording. Okay. But you were born in 1953. I was. So, yeah. Okay. Just the same room. <laughs> I, well, no, because this could have been recorded. It could have been recorded ages time. ago. Okay, so sorry, um, do you want to start again now? No, I'm, that's fine. Now, I don't know what role, if any, his faith had really played up to this point. But he married a non-Jewish woman. His daughters were both christened, C of E. Their school is a convent, for Christ's convent. sake. So you were taught convent by nuns. I was taught by nuns. Okay. Most of them were nuns. Yeah. But I don't necessarily see this as a conscious rejection of his past, so much as him doing what by now must have come instinctively, adapting. An outsider doing his best impression of an insider. His father, Zaya, sold underwear on the streets of Antwerp to support his family. It's hard to work things out exactly in today's money, Hard for me, that is. But even later, selling skins and furs, he still only made the equivalent of about £60 a week. To me, Adolf clearly now had his eyes set on an English life. A particular type of Englishness, too. Yes, Dad was a bit of a snob. That convent with those nuns also happened to be the best private school in the area. He bought ponies for both his daughters. He rode horses himself. He liked the middle-classy type people. Yeah. Not in a horrible way. He didn't no, look down at the people. in an aspirational way. Yeah. His post-war profession was stamp dealer. All I can remember him doing was stamps. How he got into the stamps, I'm not sure. And ironically, dealing with a commodity that can famously be posted, this job meant he travelled a lot. In turn, this meant him coming home could be a bit of an event. He used to bring his presents back. That was okay. quite <laughs> been what away kind of from... exotic continental? Oh, I had a harlequin doll. Wow, okay. And, and I got a bulldog, and it had a big collar on, and when you pulled the chain, it barked. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and was this a big deal in the Lempert yeah. house? He had an office in the West End. And he had an office at home, because I used to go in there and sit on his lap. So he wasn't un he wasn't cold. Oh no no. 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 Nor was he a patriarchal figure. Whatever mum said went. Not because she was overpowering, but because he wanted mum to be happy. He just put her on a pedestal. Mm. (laughs) I think would have been for many, many years. But now we have to get to it. Eighteen was when mum and dad split. He was then home for 
I mean, there's an extra bit. Oh, sorry, there's an extra bit first. Mum didn't hear from him for about three months. Oh, right. And he then got a... She got a telephone call or letter yeah. or something from a lawyer in France. And he'd... I don't know that it was because he didn't get... Well, he did get done for it, I suppose. It must have been some sort of bit of a dodgy deal. Okay. Whether he knew about it being a dodgy deal or not, because he hadn't done anything like that before. Yeah. But um, he, got he got caught and he okay. was in prison for a few months, right. <laughs> I think, in France. So, when, so was, Mum told me, because I can remember vaguely that she was quite worried because she hadn't heard from him. Right. Um, and that was a little longer than usual. So he just had hearing. to stay in. Uh, it was the Masonic people. He what, was, that got him out? Yeah. Or, was so three was he a um, Freemason? He was a Freemason. He ah, was a okay. worshipful master. Was he? This story of Freemasonry and French jails feels like it could take an episode in itself to pick apart. As is often the case with Adolf, there is another version of the story, one in which, if the Freemasons had any involvement at all, it was supporting my nan while my grandfather was away. I'm not saying either version is true. Like I say, another episode, another time. We have to get on. Oh, yes, it was when I was probably about... 15 or so, that he wasn't coming home as much. My nan knew he was setting up a second office in Paris on Boulevard Hausmann, but as weeks turned to months, and with their 25th wedding anniversary approaching, she called to ask when he was coming home. Just the one day, apparently, he said, well, actually, I'm not. Right, Okay. (laughs) It wasn't a spur-of-the-moment decision, was it? Oh, no, he'd been been living with her, and he'd probably been with her for quite a while. He'd been living with another woman. And it gets worse. He'd already sold the business. Right. Because she couldn't get an answer from the London office. Oh, OK. You will have noticed, no doubt, that I am not a journalist. So I don't know how these things work. But for this podcast, to be safe, I'm going to call this woman Anna, not her real name. And I'm going to bleep the name if we speak about her on the recording. Because I have good reason to think Anna could still be around to hear this. Although my grandfather was well into his 50s at this point... She was, I think she was 24. And just for some dramatic flair... She was German. She was German. And Catholic. Yes. Okay. Yeah. German Catholic. Just to add to the... Yeah. (laughs) A a Jew. To the taboo. Jewish, yeah. But that's not all. Because you still always sent money. But then he had remortgaged the house without Without telling her, yeah. (laughs) So mum tells me, and it must have been, because she didn't have that much money to... She couldn't stay there. Seeing him, as I often do, more as a character than a relative, it can be easy to chalk this up as just another chapter in a colourful life. But from any angle, it's a low, crummy thing to do. You likely never met my nan, but it's hard to think of a kinder, more good-natured person. My mum was such a sweet lovely person. Exactly, yeah, it's yeah. hard to picture her as anyone that deserved, you yes. know, you can't she imagine did, she, she deserved really it. She really didn't deserve that. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he deliberately thought, I want to be a bastard. No. But it was just, I want, this is what I want to do. He just happened to fall into her company, I suppose. Yeah. I don't think he went out in search of someone. I think this next bit is probably the worst. I can remember going to London mm-hmm. with Mum, because she said, would I go with her? And because she was going to meet Dad at the station, yeah, and he was going to give us some money, okay. And he turned up, yeah, walking down the road with oh, arm okay. and arm. Now that's, yeah, that's 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 not nice. That's, not that's nasty. That's not good. That turned me a little bit, yeah. Because even then, at 
my age, you know, because my mum went, is that, oh, she's, she's with him, she's with him. Yeah, like, yeah. And mum, come on, we're going, we're going. And I went, but you need, you know, yeah. you come so I, so she went down into the station, I seem to remember. When you and I there. stayed there mm -hmm. and waited till he came up to us. Okay. And he said, he came up and hi, and wow. Yeah. I just took the money and said thank you and, and went. Yeah. Because I was a bit, that was a bit of a kick in the teeth. That's the only thing, that seems quite self-consciously cruel. Yes. Like you can't pretend you wouldn't know that would upset somebody. That would somebody. upset my mum. Yeah. Yes, she hadn't wanted the split. Yeah. It was quite new and raw to her. It, mm. I mean, it could have been months and months later, to be fair. Still. Knowing all this, I have to wonder what it says about me that I'm still drawn to him. Why do I still find him so compelling? Why have I made a podcast about him? My granddad, my dad's dad, Tom Evans, was a soldier in the Somerset Light Inventory. One of the few stories he would tell of his time in the war was of charging up a hill, a friend from home either side of him, both of whom were shot and killed. I'm not convinced that I would have been charging up that hill into gunfire. I worry I may have been running in the opposite direction. Adolf Lempert, unlike me, was clearly no coward. Not that kind of coward, anyway. But he does seem to have survived more on his wits, on a way with words, a talent for ingratiation. And it's easier for me to relate to this. He did go on to Mariana in 1971, and they lived together in Paris, where he continued to deal stamps. I genuinely think he just wanted his wife or his girlfriend or whatever to be with him. Yes. He was quite happy to spend all his time with them. That was always what he'd wanted to do with Mum. He wanted her to go abroad. He wanted to take her everywhere with him. You know? OK. But, and she would have done, but, but she did. But she wanted, she was going to, when she had the children, she wanted to bring us up. Mm. You know? um, which is, some people would have been over the moon, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But... That wasn't Mum. She wasn't letting us be no. brought up by a stranger. No, exactly. I think Dad would have kept in touch with us, but mm. Mum didn't want him to. No. And Un you know, understandably, I it think. is. But well, I don't know. I can see why she it's, wouldn't want to have anything. I think it's it's still not fair on your kids. I suppose. But if you're that bitter, or I it's think not bitter, with it's Mum, sort of it wasn't bitter. Wasn't she? It was more embarrassment. That was why we had to say, you know, my dad, dad would have come to the wedding, but it he was, was like basically it would, it would have been mum or dad. I can't remember her ever saying it's him or me. She wouldn't have got stroppy it about implicit. it. But she was upset at the thought yeah. of him being there. Mm -hmm. So it was mum or dad, yeah. basically. My cousin gave, gave me away, away. Okay. Um, because at the last minute... Dad had got malaria and was in hospital. Right, okay, malaria, specifically. malaria, because okay. he had had that. Yeah, okay, uh, flared up again. Um, and he couldn't make it. And she never saw him again. At least, that was the official story, while my nan was still alive. There is actually one final part. Around about 1980, my mum and dad took a trip to Paris. This wasn't done with the intention of looking for her father, but while they were there it did occur to her that she knew the address of that Paris office he'd set up. And, yes, Mr Lempert was still registered. Yeah. Um, Boulevard Hosman. 
Yeah. And there was a telephone number. Mm -hmm. So I rang it and answered. And I just said, is Mr. Lempert there, please? Yeah. And she said, yes, I'll, I'll get him for you. And he came on, same voice as ever. Yeah. And had said, who am I speaking to? I said, it's Linda. And he went, Linda, Linda, Linda. I, I know so many beautiful English women that with, with you know, called Linda. Um, all, real, he was a real charmer. Yeah. He really was, you know. Um, well, that's how he got away with. <laughs> yeah. Away all with sorts of things. Yeah. yeah. He was a real. He was a bit of a flirter, I should yeah. think. I would think. I don't. Didn't know him that much in my adult mm -hmm. life. Did no, I? exactly. Yeah. Um, but it, I can definitely remember that. Oh, I know so many. But I don't recognise the voice. You know. I can't think who it is, or this, you know. Yeah. And then he went, how many years have I known you? Yeah. And I said, just over 28, because I think I was nearly coming up to 29. Yeah. Um, and then it went deathly quiet. Okay, so then it's... Because it was very brave of me. I wasn't very brave yeah, in those days. Yeah, it's bold. Yeah. Um, it's probably because you hadn't planned it. Probably, yeah. If you'd gone over planning to try and track him down, yeah. it might have been more Because I was, you know, I wasn't like that. I was no. a bit of a wimp yeah. in, in those days. And it went quiet. And then he went, what, my Linda? Yeah. And I went, yeah. And he went, oh goodness, uh, how are you? Where are you? <laughs> and I went, I'm fine. I'm in Paris. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he was, that's it, come, see, come to the office. Okay, come to the, so whereabouts no, are you? We're at a hotel, yeah. come to the office. Nothing at all. Really pleased to see us. Yeah. Met us, you know, she yeah. let us in, it was upstairs, and we went in, yeah. and she was there, and he introduced me to and mm -hmm. said hello. I mean, it was not her fault, um, it's not my fault, you know. So, no, I guess, no. Um, <laughs> and we stayed there for a little while. I don't know if it was that evening that we went round to the flat, mm. and then we went out for a meal. Yeah. And it was sitting at this table, and he put his hand on my arm and said, you know, I, I never meant to hurt your mother, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think I just said, just, I don't want to talk about yeah. it. You know, Separate the yeah. two things. What was the point of going over that? You know, no. to go up and meet him, again, just to have you a go at him? Yeah, again, because you, know? you hadn't gone over to find him and no. make amends. No. Or, you know, you know um, there's no point going and saying hi to him. And then, you know, what, what they did was between them. That really was the last time she saw him. Just a handful of instant photos to show it even happened. She did write, and he wrote back. And I hid that letter so well, I have no idea what I did with it or mm. where the photos are. Yeah. Which is a shame now, because that yeah. would have been the last photos of my dad. The letters remain unfound, but we did find those photos. And there he is, with a copper-brown tan from the south of France and jet-black hair from a bottle. These little Polaroid windows show the meeting as it was, a moment unburdened by anything that had come before. I suppose I could have tried again to keep in touch. Oh, no. I did write to him yeah. again and said that I'd had a little, had a baby boy. Okay. Um, and he wrote back saying, you know, but... Um, Muzzle top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he didn't get back to me. Yeah. I think he said congratulations on that. But then I suppose I was tied up with you and he yeah. didn't get back to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I was too worried that if he started sending letters to me and one arrived while Nanny yeah, was there. Exactly. Pauline tried to find him a couple of times. Okay. And she didn't know until after Mum had died that I met up with Dad.
I'd still like to know where Dad died. Records are gradually being digitised, but a request for a death certificate from someone who died in Paris any time after 1986 must be directed to the arrondissement in which they lived. I don't even know if he actually died in Paris, but I set about systematically submitting requests to all 20 arrondissements. In fact, I submitted every request twice, as each search is limited to a 10-year period. What I got is a series of je regret replies, sometimes via email, sometimes via post. Every now and then, I will repeat the process, hoping it will somehow produce a different result. So we don't know when or where he died. In fact, we're only assuming he did. For all we know, he's 105, living in Rio with wife number three. Maybe not, but if there'd been any attempt to inform his daughters of his passing, it was not successful. It's frustrating to have uncovered so much about his past and so little about the relatively recent. A genealogist or private investigator could probably find the answers I'm looking for, but I lack the kind of funds to pursue this speculatively. And actually, there is a sense now that this is my story, my quest, and I've not given up yet. Only a few years older than my mother, there is every chance that Anna is still alive. I did find contact details for an Anna Lempert living in Germany. I sent a letter explaining a little, but received a polite reply from her daughter, explaining that her mother had never been married to anyone called Adolf. So, for us at least, his is a story with no final chapter. Sometimes in circumstances like that, all you can do is make the story your own and write the ending yourself. Perhaps I ought to go to France and see if I can find I'm, out anything else. Yeah, that's my next thing, because well. I might... I want to go to Lemberg yeah. Fancy going with your mother? Yeah, I was going to, yeah, we'll do a little... Yeah? Little you don't trip. have to. I don't, <laughs> wouldn't expect you we to. We might but, do that. Yeah. Well, that'll be the next chapter if yeah. we go there. Yeah. I'd definitely be up for that. The Unboarded podcast is written and presented by me, Andrew Evans, with contributions from the undoubted star of this episode, my mother, Lynn Evans, from Professor of Law at UCL, Philippe Sands, and from Chris Hendricks at the RAF Museum in Hendon. Visit unboardedpodcast.com to see pretty much all the documents mentioned here, as well as links to episodes and a playlist of the soundtrack. If you would like to get in touch, please tweet me at unboardedpod or email me at unboarderedpodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is dedicated to my auntie Pauline, who I think would really have loved to have heard this, and to my nan, who definitely wouldn't have. Sorry, nan. <laughs>